Town Hall in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains, it's E-Town. Our guests this week are, from Marfa, Texas and Los Angeles, California, Jess Williamson, wildfire expert Rod Moraga, and from Nova Scotia, Canada, brush fire recording artist Bahamas. I'm Helen Forster. Join me now in welcoming our host, Nick Forster. Thank you, Ellen. Thanks, everybody. Welcome to E-Town Hall. We uh, are ready for some fun. We have all the stuff. We have food for thought. We have music for your ears. We have uh, a great little uh, stuff to serve you this week here in E-Town. Jess Williamson is here, um, just barely made it because she was traveling and had a crazy wild travel day and got here just in the nick of time. She's just put out her fifth studio record. Great balance of kind of rootsy and dreamy and love songs and perfect, straight up her alley. And speaking of weird weather and weird travel days, we've all been affected by weird weather. Today was certainly one of those days. For us here in Colorado, we had some insane weather today, but we've also all been affected by fires one way or the other. And uh, it's a thing that's happening more frequently. It's just a part of the modern reality. I know that um, Canadian wildfire smoke was introducing all the people in the northeastern parts of the United States to what that feels like to be really affected by wildfires, which I think they hadn't really figured out before that, so now they know too. And um, we're going to learn more about that. We have an expert about fire with us this week. Rod Moraga is here, and he's going to tell us more. I want to mention that Bahamas has been here before. Um, since that time, he has moved full-time to Nova Scotia. He continues to write and record and tour and um, be a family man. In fact, he's got his whole family with him this week. He's recorded a new record that has a few more country vibes than I'm used to, and it's cool, and I think maybe that's a reflection of his new experience up there, but it sounds good, and we're going to get to play a bunch of those songs. We like it. We like that sound. We're really glad he could join us. He's brought along two singers, uh, Felicity and Robin, and uh, we're glad they're here. Would you please help me welcome back to E-Town, Bahamas. Right on, pleasure to be here. We played Red Rocks last night. And um, that was a thrill. Catering was just incredible. I mentioned it last night for stage. I just want to mention it again and really thank the people that uh, put that all together. The local ice cream, I can't remember the brand, but it was something. High Point. High Point? Incredible. <laughs> what a creamery. Your love 
said in the introduction there I do have some new music I have a new album coming in September and I'm excited to play some of those songs later in the set but uh, I'm sure I don't have to explain to you uh, why I didn't tour much on my last album came out in 2020 when did it come out? It came out anyway I didn't do much playing there for a few years so I feel like it's an opportunity for me to promote two records tonight and uh, there is someone here from my uh, record label so he'd probably appreciate that it's uh, it's available on compact disc and uh, a variety of other formats and we have a lot of unsold copies <clears throat> anyway so we'll do another song uh, that last song and this next song here are both from this uh, sad hunk record that I did a few years ago and, and uh, yeah I know there were dozens of people that liked it when it came out it was uh, the song's called Not Cool Anymore and um, it's just about getting older and, and sort of uh, taking things a little less seriously music and uh, yourself and all things like that. It goes like this. <clears throat> How does it go? It goes like this. That sounded like the last song. <laughs> right? Same thing. All my songs are the same. Score, not cool anymore. 
Maybe I was when I was 24 Seems to me that there used to be People to see all around me only open doors Now everyone around me seems To have forgotten all about their dreams I guess they must have lied when they said the music died No, the music just forgot about me Not cool anymore Afi Jernivan, welcome. Thank you. Nice Bahamas. to be here. Pleasure. Good to have you back. Um, not cool anymore? I don't know. What do you think? It's, it's different being a little older. You talk about how you were cool when you were 24. What was it like when you were 24? I was very not cool. <laughs> I was not cool at all in, uh, in high school. And I'm so grateful that I found music because it yeah. gave me a lot of confidence just to put myself out in the world. And it's also, as you know, just sort of comes with a whole social component too. So for those of us that are a little more introverted, it's good because it sort of forces you to kind of meet people and, and learn how to relate to people. And um, But was it, you... wasn't there the coolest like music scene in Toronto where everybody knew each other and you're all kind of playing with each other and getting well, See, up? that's the great thing about Wikipedia is I, I didn't grow up in Toronto. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, No, I grew up in a, about an hour north of Toronto in a town called Barrie, Ontario, which a lot of people lovingly refer to as the armpit of Canada. Yeah. But when I was growing up there, it was a wonderful place to be a kid. I was fishing and riding my bicycle and throwing rocks at things that I <laughs> climb at fences and stuff. And then as soon as I became a teenager and got into art and music, suddenly it was the most horrible place to be because it was about six other people who were interested in what I seemingly was interested yeah. in. So, um, and school was not like your sweet spot. I did not uh, graduate from high school. I received an honorary high school diploma later in life, which my one of my daughters was there when she was... It was quite a sweet, actually. My mother was there. And a, was, kind, a kind of vindication. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And then I kind of realized how useless it was, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think Sweet, they, but useless. You know, yeah. if I'm being completely honest, I think they rejigged the numbers a little bit, and they have some new way of calculating the credits, so they're like, actually, you did graduate. They lowered like, the in, bar, yeah. In, you know, in yeah. like 2014 terms or whatever, yeah. you, you, you're, you're smart as the rest of us or whatever. That's very but, sad. Um, yeah. Well, it says a lot about, some, you know, we probably shouldn't wade into that yeah. subject. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but let me ask you also, because your family's um, Let's cut that finished. part out, shall we? No. <laughs> Listen... We'll, we'll, we'll figure it all out. All right, but, all right. but your family's... Let's follow up on that a little sure, bit here sure. instead. 
Um, your family's from Finland. They are. And so when you were a kid, you spent some time in Finland with all your cousins. I did. I spent a lot of time there. My mother's from Finland. Yeah. My mother actually was Miss Finland in like 19-something. Wow. Um, that was like the least impressive thing about my mom's life. Yeah. For the record. But anyway, um, she came, moved to Canada, and um, she raised my siblings and I as a single mother. And uh, we grew up pretty humble, pretty meager, you know, more than, more than most and less than, less than most. So I don't know how you say it. But anyway, they used to call it poor, but we don't say poor anymore. You say low income now. I don't know how you say that. That's, that's, that's the way we grew up. But when you got to Finland and you saw your cousins... But I was getting to that. Yeah. Before you started talking. Yeah, right. Um, I was trying to save you. I know. I was wading into some dark territory. Yeah. Anyway, all that to say was that my mother sort of figured out it was cheaper to fly me by myself to Finland than to pay for childcare wow. or like summer camp or whatever. Yeah. So on the last day of school, she would send me on a plane. At that point, you know, parents were a little bit different back then. They would ship their children off internationally unsupervised. And I loved it. I got to go in the cockpit back then and they would give you endless ice cream and stuff. And I had a little special hat that I wore. And uh, so as like an eight-year-old, I would just go to Finland for two months. Um, the international aspect must have been cool, though, because when you came back to your armpit of Canada town mm -hmm. as an eight-year-old, mm -hmm. having spent a couple months in Finland, you knew some tricks. You knew some things that your buddies didn't know. You were exposed to different things. And Maybe. I don't know. I mean, it's so easy um, as an adult to sort of decide what the narrative of your life is. Because you can decide, it can be whatever you want it to be, yeah. you know? And I could decide that my story is a tragedy or it's some sort of triumph. I rose yeah. from the ashes or something, you know? I'm sure I had so many advantages because of that. But I don't know if I was ever really aware of them. And I'm probably still trying to figure that out as yeah. an adult and will be for my whole life, you know? So I noticed you do have an appreciation for, if not a fascination, uh, with ice cream. So <laughs> that may have started in That's kind of why we moved to Nova Scotia, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> They have this very special ice cream out there called Privateer's Bounty. And I was telling my friends in Toronto about this ice cream. Nobody seemed to care all that much. But anyway, eventually we entered in some real estate situations and we sold our house and we moved out there. And I went up to the corner store and I said, do you have any Privateer's Bounty? And the guy said, I think we have some in the back somewhere. And he, he went in the back and he says, it's not very popular. You can just have whatever's left. And he had this big bucket. I ran home, I decanted it into these smaller vessels. And I was phoning people in Toronto trying to tell them, they're just giving this stuff away. You guys got to get out here. The houses are cheap. It's insane. Ice cream's free. It's crazy. If you, you know, you, most of you work from home. Just come yeah. live in Halifax yeah. and do it. Come yeah. on. I love Halifax, actually. Yeah, I, I hitchhiked there when I was 17 years old and uh, found myself um, falling in with some like, street musicians and was offered a spot on a Canadian television show. Which one? I have no idea. Because Don Messer's Jubilee? Could have easily been Don Messer's Jubilee, but I, when they found out I wasn't Canadian, the offer was rescinded. <laughs> well, we have a lot of Canadian content laws that yeah, uh, exactly. prohibit guys I, like I you. I realized from it was <laughs> a affirmative action of Coming one kind in and or taking another. our yeah. jobs, yeah. yeah. But I did have a wonderful time there. And um, let me just quickly talk about, you made a record, mm. and uh, to me this record has a little more of a country vibe. It's maybe just because the... The pedal steel and the 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 feel of it is mm -hmm. is um, it just feels sweet. It has mm -hmm. a kind of a sweet vibe to it. 
Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, I'm very proud of the songs that uh, yeah. kind of put together for this record. But basically, the whole thing kind of came together because, believe it or not, I keep on getting asked to go down to Nashville and write songs for other people. And I'm so terrible at it. I've tried it a couple times. And uh, I enjoyed the experience. I love the songwriting. I love the narrative applications. Like I, loved, I just love the, the traditions and all that stuff about country music that we all love. And the timing just felt good. I had done this thing during the uh, lockdown, this sort of virtual album called Live to Tape, where we recorded with musicians all over the world. And one of them was a Nashville session. Yeah. And at that point, I decided that I'm going to employ some serious age discrimination when I make my next record. And I, I told my manager, I only want to work with people who are in their 70s or, or older. And uh, it's getting harder to do that. Anyway, we... Um, There's recorded. a kind of a narrow window that, you know... As you can tell, I'm not prepared to talk about or promote this record at all. <laughs> we just decided yesterday, you know what? Ah, who cares? Let's just play some new songs. Yeah. We've never played any, any of these tunes since I recorded them. So um, we're going to see what happens. But anyway, I, like, I recorded I... Nashville with octogenarians. And uh, if you like slow, sort of boring music, then there's some of it coming out in September. And, uh, I, and I hope it, you'll enjoy it. I called it sweet. I well, called it sweet. Yeah, it's yeah. got a sweetness to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> we have um, a lot more music to get to. And, um, I should probably stop talking, frankly. I think we're going to play. Let's do it. Let's try okay. a new one. All right, let's hear some more music. Welcome back. Bahamas. All right, the song's about uh, ice cream.
musical mistake Every bad middle eight just leaves me flat So if you've got it in you I can get it out And it can't be a sin to live with one's own doubts When the taper starts a-rolling You shouldn't scream or shout Just sing your heart out Bahamas. A.B. Irvin along with Felicity Williams and Robin Dan and the E-Tones. Braxton Khan, Eric Moon, Kevin Johnson, Cooper Dickinson on the steel. They'll be back to play some more music later on in the show. Your visit to E-Town is made possible in part by the Scientific and Cultural Facilities District, or SCFD, one of the largest cultural funding mechanisms in the United States, supporting nearly 300 organizations in the greater Denver area. By the way, there are over 2,000 videos on the E-Town YouTube channel to check out. You can also subscribe there in order to stay up to date with our latest video offerings. You're listening to E-Town. Nick Forcer, you are listening to E-Town. Uh, Bahamas is going to be back. They'll be back later on to play some more music. Coming up, Jess Williamson is here, really talented singer and songwriter, originally from Texas. Uh, she's going to be out to play some songs from her newest record, which is called Time Ain't Accidental. Uh, I was talking about the wildfire season getting longer and, and more widespread, and of course, it is uh, scary and destructive, and it's a byproduct of the climate crisis, but I figured we'd also learn a little bit about it, so I asked an expert, and uh, we have one. Rod Moraga has been working in natural resource management for over 30 years. He was the CEO of Anchor Point Group Wildfire Consulting, focused on fire behavior modeling and forest management. He's a former ranger, former ranger supervisor, forest and fire ecologist, and prescribed fire manager. He serves as operations chief 
and uh, on the Rocky Mountain Complex Incident Management Team as a fire behavior analyst. He's also a volunteer firefighter with the Left Hand Fire Protection District. Please welcome to E-Town, Rod Moraga. Welcome, Rod. Thanks for joining us. Um, you got a degree in forestry from Rutgers, is that right? I got a degree in forestry, but between my junior and senior year, I did an internship out here on the White River. And without me knowing, when you uh, sign up to be a forest technician, it actually means you're going to be a firefighter. So I actually got into firefighting without wanting to. Wow. Uh, and that changed my path because, uh, as it was, the 88 Yellowstone fires were happening that summer. And so we talked a lot about letting things burn, and that changed my career path completely into fire ecology and, yeah. and fire modeling and fire behavior. And, yeah. and I imagine the fundamentals are pretty much the same. We've got you know, dry uh, forests and uh, lightning strikes have been happening for millions of years. Um, but what, in your mind, are the big drivers that have changed things lately? Well, one, there's houses in the way now. Right. Obviously, the development into the forests and around the forests, and not just forests, obviously, all vegetation types. Most ecosystems in the world are fire-dependent. They just have different cycles. Meaning it's better for them when there's burning from time to time. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. They need fire in order to invigorate and, and grow and, and stay as healthy ecosystems. Huh. That's interesting. And I guess the other thing that's changed is... Well, the climate has definitely changed the way our seasons go as, as far as uh, fire seasons. You know, they, they've extended our seasons no matter what happens, because right now we've got a lot of rain here locally. That means more vegetation, but all that vegetation goes dormant, and then we have a fall fire season. So. Yeah. Now, speaking of um, houses in uh, fire-prone areas, you, you lost your house to a, to a wildfire. I did, yeah. I lost my house in the uh, Four Mile Fire in 2010. Yeah. And so you're a guy who knows all about it. So are there things looking back that you would have, should have, could have? You know, the word irony comes to mind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, I was an expert in these things, and yet my home did burn. And that speaks to the change. I did all of your typical defensible space things that need to be done. But uh, defensible space, for those of you who don't know what it is, but it, the idea is to mitigate or reduce some of the vegetation around your property in order to reduce the intensity of the fire not put it out, not stop it, but reduce the intensity, which gives the opportunity for firefighters to make a stand at your house. Well, that was a great model in the old days when it was one or maybe five houses being threatened. But the issue we have now is that the way these fires uh, are burning now so intensely, we'll have a thousand homes threatened at once. Yeah. So defensible space isn't enough if no one is there to put the fire out. So. Yeah. So it, all, it sounds a little uh, hopeless, like there's not really that much you can do to this natural cycle. Well, so, there is. Yeah. There is. Um, let me ask you what that is. <laughs> okay. Thank you for asking. Uh, so I think there's different levels. Okay, so if you're already here, you've already got a property, then the best thing you can do is harden the home. And what we mean by that is fire-resistant construction. There's just some materials that are far better than others in terms of how they're going to withstand heat and embers. But I think bigger picture, we have to start thinking about zoning and planning. Uh, right. That's the place where it starts. We yeah. need to not build in really fire-prone areas. Yeah. I don't want to think of it as being futile because I'm still committed to it and have been for decades, but I still feel like it's important to 
think about our carbon footprints and just like imagine ways in which we might be able to live a little lighter on the planet. What do you think? Absolutely. Yes, I rode my bike here. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> you know, we have to change our attitude towards this because um, nature will always try to find balance, and that's not always pretty. In our time scale, it's pretty abrupt and harsh. So the things we're seeing, all these natural hazard events, um, are just the way of nature trying to get itself back to, to balance. And if we want it to subside, we're going to have to do something about it. Something or, dramatic, yeah. yeah. If anybody's listening and they want to see uh, for themselves ways that they can be smarter about this kind of stuff, is there a website, any place they can go, or is there, are there resources that are easily available? Firewise.org would be a, a good national website that has a lot of good information. Locally, either the, the State Forest Service or the Division of Fire Prevention and Control. Um, In each state has one? Pretty yeah. much, yeah. yeah. Firewise.org was the first one? Yes. Great. Well, listen, I appreciate your, you know, sharing your, your uh, information and your expertise, but almost more than that, I really appreciate the fact that you're a firefighter. You're out there, you know, I mean, I'm sure you have many harrowing tales to tell about fires that grew around you that you didn't expect. There's been a few close calls, but... Uh, yeah. Well, listen, we all benefit from guys like you out there willing to fight these fires, so I thank you for that as well. Thank you. Rod Moraga, thanks so much for being here. Thanks. As I mentioned, we're going to have more music from Bahamas before long. Right now, I want to tell you that Jess Williamson uh, is here. She grew up in Texas. She got started making music when she was in college at UT in Austin. She started out by taking banjo lessons and having her own radio show. So those are not typical beginning stories, origin stories. Um, then she moved to New York to study photography at Parsons. She put her first band together there and then moved back to Texas, eventually moved to LA. Kind of brought her to where she is now, having just released a, a beautiful record, her fifth studio record. She too put out an album just in 2020, just when she couldn't tour behind it, but now she's got another one. This one is called Time Ain't Accidental. Really happy she's here. Please welcome to E-Town for her first visit, Jess Williamson. Thanks so much. I'm gonna do a song for y'all off my record that came out in May of 2020. The record's called Sorceress, and this song is called Wind on Tin. Southbound 90, that's a locked-up luxury store. Tourists take photographs, you're not a tourist here no more. They're taxing the adobe now that the money move in town. Chasing a legend, but one less legend is raking the grounds. Helpless, helpless, helpless. We are. Sing along. There is a braid that binds us, and his thread ain't gone. Heard a sound so heavenly, where the angels. 
come out it's called time ain't accidental and I'm gonna do a song from that album for y'all now this one's called God and everything
Jess Williamson, welcome to E-Town. Thank you. Yeah. This is so cool. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, we want to get to know you a little bit. It seems like this moment is, you know, it's your fifth record, but it seems like now people are kind of noticing, like, you know, Great Press and Rolling Stone and all this stuff. It's like Jess Williamson's arrived. That's so sweet. Thank you. Yeah. Well, it didn't help putting out a record in the middle of COVID. No. (laughs) My last one kind of flew under the radar. Yeah. just wasn't a convenient time for new music. I don't know. I want to say that your previous record, Sorceress, wasn't apologetic, but it was Mm. tender in certain ways that felt like maybe it was almost a breakup record or something like that. Mm -hmm. But is that fair? I don't know. No, I love this. It's true. I mean, that record was written kind of in the last gasps of a relationship. And then by the time the record came out, the relationship was over and it was COVID. And I was kind of faced with like lockdown and being single for the first time in so long and being really heartbroken and also bummed that I was having to cancel all my tours. Yeah. And That sounds like good song fodder. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So then I had nothing but time and yeah. like a lot of inspiration. Yeah. And I was really motivated to just write a lot of songs. Yeah. And yeah. I guess I wanted, you know, want to know when you were there and stuck in LA, did you feel the difference between being alone and being lonely? Did you like make that distinction? What was cool about that time is I, I realized that if I embraced the solitude, it wasn't so lonely, really. You know, I think the anxiety, thinking that you're going to be lonely is actually worse than the reality of just being by yourself. And, you know, I should say I wasn't always alone. I had a couple other friends that were in my pod that also lived by themselves. You know, the other single people kind of all found each other a little bit. So I had you know, a couple of friends I would go on walks with and stuff like that. Did you that. eventually do like dating apps and stuff like yes. that? You did. Yeah. yeah I mean, so, I'd never done that before. And then neither have I. Actually. It, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, you know, it's funny. It, that was also good song fodder. So, yeah. um, yeah. Talking yes. about fires. Was it Tinder? Was that the one you're using? Um, that bre- very brief. Yeah. Okay. That was, that was the scary yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I do want to ask you about um, how the early you, when you're a college kid, and you were drawn to the banjo. Like, yeah. what, what made you find the banjo as your, your instrument for self-expression? When I was in college, a friend of mine had a house show, and this local Austin guy named Ralph White played, and he plays the banjo. And I'd never seen it played that way. He has this incredible style. It's really unique to him. And I was enraptured by that. And the next day, Googled like banjo lessons in Austin wow. and found this place, South Austin Music. Yeah, it's a course. music store. Yeah. And found my teacher, Eddie Collins. And it was really affordable. And like wow. to my surprise, he had an opening and I just showed up and oh, started awesome. taking lessons. Yeah. So you showed up in New York City going to Parsons and studying photography with the banjo in hand. I know. It's yeah. pretty funny. Yeah. I was like a fish out of water. In a way, but it's also sort of like the hippest hipster in Brooklyn would probably be doing that. There's such a history of folk music in New York, too. Hey, that's, you know? that's where I come from. And yeah, that's how, that's how I got exposed to folk music and that's cool. all that stuff. Um, well, the journey continues. And now you went out to L.A. Now you're back in Marfa. Well, I'm splitting time between L.A. and Marfa, Texas now. Yeah. yeah. And Marfa is a super art-centric town. Yeah. It's kind of an island unto itself, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. People that live there call it like being on the island. And yeah. when you got to get out of town, you got to get off the island every yeah. now and then. Yeah. 
Um, and so are you, when you normally tour, are you touring with a band? or Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm just about to wrap up a three, little over three-week tour with my band. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we don't have your band with us this week, but we have our band. I know. It's awesome. So we should yeah. eventually play some music together. I would love to. Um, welcome back to E-Town, Jess Williamson. Thanks. <laughs> Um, this next one is another one off my new record, and it's called Hunter.
as Jess Williamson from Texas and Los Angeles. Time Made Accidental is your new record, along with E-Tones. Jess Williamson will be back at the very end of the show. We've got more music coming up from Bahamas after a short break. This portion of E-Town is made possible by the Bohemian Foundation, building stronger communities through the Bohemian qualities of creativity and imagination. On the web at bohemianfoundation.org. You're listening to E-Town. Nick Forster, I want to say hello to our listeners who are hearing E-Town on stations like KTSN, Sun Radio down in Austin, Texas, on WQKL in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and on WNCS, The Point, up in Montpelier, Vermont. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you want more information about any of the things we're up to here at E-Town, lots of stuff is online at etown.org. And as Helen mentioned, don't forget all the videos on our YouTube channel, which are um, good. We're actually really proud of those. They sound good. They look good. You can see the crew here tonight. They're doing a great job. Okay, we learned a little bit about fire. We learned a little about Jess Williamson, who's kind of new. We got to revisit with uh, Afi and decide exactly where the interest in ice cream comes from. We can each draw our own conclusions about that. But the songs are strong, and we're glad we got more coming. Would you please welcome back to the stage, Bahamas. And so, you know, I like to evolve as a songwriter. We're going to do a song now about gelato and uh, bring the band out. It's pretty strong. You really just give me a whole thing to run with here at the risk of ruining the whole show. And feel that life is moving past me 
story of the hour Of one man's privilege and his power How it turns to sweet love or so sour Still I need to know It's just about trying to put love out in the world. Here it goes. Just like me Whoa. 
Thanks so much. That's Bahamas. Maybe Yervinen along with Felicity Williams and Robin Dan, plus the house band, B-Tones, Braxton Kahn, Eric Moon on the keys, Kevin Johnson on the bass, newcomer Cooper Dickerson on the pedal steel. The record is called Boot Cut. We're gonna do one more song and um, get everybody out here on stage to do this last number for you. I wanna thank all our guests, of course, Jess Williamson coming in from uh, Texas via South Dakota um, on her way to LA. Thanks to uh, Bahamas coming from Canada at the end of their tour. Thanks to the E-Tones. Uh, thanks to Rod Maga for coming and uh, helping us learn more about the intensity of fires and how they happen and what we can do about them if we can. Thanks to the house band and to Helen Forster. Thanks to our engineers and our volunteers. Thanks to all of you for being a part of the audience this week. Um, we're gonna leave you with a song that was uh, written by John Prine and made famous actually by other people. I'm Nick Forster. Hope you can be with us next week right here in E-Town. This is a production of E-Town.